some of the staff that went there had no training for first response. So people just learned it on the ground, but they were willing to jump in. You can really see that in situations like this, God's hand is going to be working through all of this, and you can see it vividly. Welcome to this week's edition of First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and today's guest is Dan Cura, the president of the Far East Broadcasting Company in the Philippines. Part of the extensive FEBC family, Dan oversees many radio stations spread throughout the Philippines, and he'll give us a first-hand report of FEBC's radio relief efforts following a recent devastating typhoon. Glad you could be with us for First Person today. Our mission is to tell the stories of people who acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and are spending their lives serving Him. That means the stories from around the world are never-ending, and it's a joy to bring them to you each week. You'll learn more at firstpersoninterview.com. Well, a couple of years ago, I was in Manila and met today's guest, Dan Cura. Dan oversees a very impressive radio ministry of 10 local stations stretching all across his country and also far beyond with two powerful shortwave transmitters. We connected again in California a few weeks ago and sat down and began by talking about the rich history of FEBC in the Philippines. Oh, uh, it is an exciting story. I mean, start the story actually started in 1947 when uh, John Broger and uh, Bob Bowman decided to put up a studio first in, in Shanghai, in China. But before the year could be over, that thing was shut down by the Chinese government. Mm-hmm. And the next best place that they could go to was the Philippines. Mm-hmm. So in 1948, they uh, started to put up the operations in Karuhatan in uh, Bulacan at the time, uh, which eventually uh, Valenzuela became part of Metro Manila. But uh, they, they started the work there, and uh, a year after the local operations of FEBC in the Philippines, they began their broadcast to China the following year, so 1949. And uh, that started already uh, the broadcast into, into China. And as of this conversation, Dr. Bowman is with us. He's 99 years old. 99 years and old. living in assisted living, but... Uh, but he's still there. He's, and, uh, he's all there today, isn't he? And... Uh, when he thinks about where FEBC is today, and as always, they would say, if I only knew that it was going to get this big, <laughs> yeah. I probably would not have started it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think most people in the States, when they think of Far East Broadcasting Company, if they know about it at all, mm-hmm. think about it in terms of what we used to call missionary radio. That's you know, right. And shortwave radio. It is still that, and shortwave still has a place in this world. And the Philippines has two powerful transmitter locations. Well, that's right. We've got one in Bokawe, and the other one is in Iba, Iba. Zambales. I've been the, to one in Bokawe. That's I haven't right. been to Iba, but I understand they're both spectacular That's locations. right. And uh, right now we have, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, six uh, transmitters, 100-kilowatt uh, transmitters uh, each, going into Southeast Asia from the Philippines. So shortwave still has a place in this modern world. It's still very important in rural areas, isn't it? Quite so. Uh, In the rural areas, especially in the areas of uh, China and uh, Indochina, it is still uh, something that people listen to. Yeah. The exciting thing about shortwave, and there's other technology we'll talk about in a moment, but the exciting thing about shortwave is the fact that it's all Filipino staff now Mm -hmm. that operate.
operates those facilities. So there's no Western missionaries involved at mm-hmm. all in that, is there? Uh, it came to a point where uh, everything is being operated in the Philippines, and in a sense, the, F- the Philippine operations of FEBC has adopted the international site of uh, FEBC International. So mm-hmm. we're actually taking care of it for the entire yeah. family. Which is part of your purview. Yes. But that's what I want to talk about, mm-hmm. because FEBC is so much more in the Philippines, and you are the country director, so mm-hmm. you know all about this, but you are, uh, how many stations throughout the Philippines well, now? Well, 10 stations as of today. These are local stations. These are local stations. Including Manila, AM and FM, mm-hmm. and uh, I saw those beautiful new studios Facilities, that you have yes. high atop that, <laughs> that uh, skyscraper in Manila that's mm-hmm. absolutely astounding. Um, tell me about what's going on today. Well, um, we have transferred from the original uh, Karohatan property where uh, John Broger uh, began, and we moved it down to the heart of uh, Metro Manila, which is in Ortigas in Pasig. And uh, what that has done is it has uh, brought us closer to our audience in Metro Manila, mm-hmm. at the very least. And then the other area of that is it allowed our programming to expand because there are now more uh, people that are able to come to the station, both in terms of uh, subject matter experts and talents. Well, you have very modern studios now. Mm-hmm. They are uh, beautiful. They are technologically advanced. Yes. And you've got music studios, so you can you can Record host as well. music, musical artists in the studios and, and all. And maybe just to uh, clarify, Wayne, that one of the reasons that pushed us first to move out of uh, the Karohatan location, it's the original CRCM, to Ortigas and the new studios is the fact that uh, everything's going to go digital by 2015 Mm -hmm. in the Philippines. And if FEBC today will not go from analog to digital, then we will be left behind with the message of the gospel. What is the national strategy in the Philippines? Well, right now, when we turned 60 years old, we decided to look at where we were at the time. And uh, uh, five years ago, we realized that we were only covering 60% of the Philippines in terms of uh, radio broadcasting of the gospel. And so there's still 40% that we call deaf spots because mm-hmm. people can't hear the gospel in those areas. Uh, there may be some spattering of some one or two programs that uh, an eager uh, pastor might be doing, but in a sense, generally, there was no voice. So we decided to start shifting our broadcast strategy rather than doing large city stations. We started to go into community, uh, community-centered community uh, stations. So while there's still a place for missionaries, it's not a Western missionary coming in, learning the language, and then speaking culturally into a community. It's local people doing local ministry. That's right. It's local people doing local ministry. Uh, but there is still a role in terms of uh, missionaries and, and foreign organizations coming in mm-hmm. to come alongside in terms of training. But as far as the people on the ground, yeah. the, your boots on the ground, yeah. That would be the Filipino group already. Let me take you back to Manila for a moment, because you have both an AM and an FM station. Mm-hmm. They are we, we would call them in this country major market radio stations. That's right. How many people in Manila, Metro Manila? Right now, about 25 million, give or take a few more million. That is huge, <laughs> absolutely huge. And so you have an AM-FM combination. Mm-hmm. What is your strategy using both stations? Well, our FM station is the only classical music station in the Philippines. And so what that does is it reaches a 
different strata of uh, the people group in uh, in the city. So you have executives, professionals, expatriates uh, that uh, listen to that station. So we use the classical music as the bid for the gospel. Mm-hmm. But and, then you drop in... Ravi Zacharias exactly. and, and others with exactly. those little nuggets of gospel truth. And, and you you put in that for those people that actually are uh, uh, people who would uh, be very, uh, how would you say, cosmopolitan in the mm-hmm. way that they think. Yeah. And you also provide them with uh, gospel truth that they can think of. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other hand, the AM would be your mass base. So that's in the vernacular. Uh, it is in Filipino. And uh, that reaches a, a larger base of people. And we... Uh, that's talk radio, basically, on sure. AM. And so uh, that allows us to, in a sense, uh, get a pulse yeah. of uh, the man on the street, as it were. So are those biblical preaching and talk shows and that kind of yes, thing? Yes, we, we, uh, we also have news programs and current affairs programs, mm-hmm. but it gives a biblical view of what's happening uh, on the ground. And then there's news, there's uh, music, and there's even drama, radio yeah. drama. Yeah. Well, this is a little bit inside radio here today, mm-hmm. but I just think it's a great strategy to use those two stations for diverse purposes mm-hmm. and to target the classical music when no one else. I mean, imagine a major city yeah. in the U.S. with no classical station and a Christian group moves in, provides the classical music, listeners come mm-hmm. to the station, and in the process, you know, they get they, they hear the gospel. That's right. And uh, for the most part, uh, people who may, may be, in a sense, averse to the gospel— yeah would still embrace it. The music is too attractive. The music is there, and they'd say, you know what? For just a few minutes of uh, uh, your 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 Bible preaching, I'll listen yeah. to it. And as far as we're concerned, yeah. that's, that's the doorway. So how is all of this supported? This is all supported by uh, uh, love gifts from the churches, from the people who support the, the organization, and other organizations that do the same. Mm-hmm. So we are a non-commercial, non-profit organization in the Philippines. Now, FEBC, Far East Broadcasting, is in many countries. Uh, in South Korea, where I was recently, it's mm-hmm. self-supporting there, as That's it right. is in the Philippines. Yes. But in other countries, of course, they still rely on gifts from uh, from the U.S. That's but right. How have you how have you reached the point of being self-sustaining there in the Philippines? I think the uh, main thing is we have uh, touched the hearts of the Filipinos themselves and the churches, really and the strong. churches in the Philippines to touch other people in the Philippines, in a sense, Filipinos touching other Filipinos. Mm -hmm. And uh, the church has grown since. Um, So we now have something like 60,000 churches uh, uh, all over the Philippines. And uh, for the most part, they are listening to FEBC. Yeah. And the Filipino people are, they're just wonderful people. Very gracious too. Very generous, very gracious. And uh, it's it's been fun to get to know many of you and to see how the how the work is yes, carried out. Yes, yeah. and and that that becomes very encouraging for us as well. That uh, uh, the uh, the child of uh, Bob Bowman and John Broger has come to come to age already as well, and now is also trying to help support the other uh, uh, FEBC units uh, within the family. Coming up on First Person, we'll talk more with Dan, especially about radio's first response effort following a typhoon. Next time on First Person, you'll meet Sue Detweiler and hear her heart to encourage women. God uses the difficult things to make us more like Him, and we have seen that it has allowed us to become more giving, have a heart for the needy, and a heart to help. Sue loves to inspire women in their adventure of faith, and you'll meet her next time on First Person. 
My guest on First Person today is Dan Curra. Dan is the director of FEBC, the Far East Broadcasting Company, in the Philippines. Now, FEBC is in, I've forgotten how many countries, in many, many countries. Mm, basically 72. 72 yeah. countries and 100 plus languages <laughs> yeah, that's right. that it broadcasts in. How many hours a week of programming do you produce in the Philippines? Have you stopped to add it all up, Dan? Oh, wow. Uh, I haven't even thought about <laughs> it, but uh, we we have uh, 24-hour programming in our city station for both uh, stations, and uh, on an average, out of the um, out of the uh, 10 stations, we would uh, go around 16 hours a day, hmm. thereabouts. I want to switch gears with you. Um, I follow you on Facebook and the, <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the ministry, the radio ministry on Facebook, and when the typhoon, Haiyan, is that how you pronounce it? That's uh, right, Haiyan. Uh, hit uh, in Tacloban. Mm-hmm. You've taught me how to pronounce That's that right. properly. <laughs> uh, the uh, FEBC moved in with something called first response. And I yes. want you to talk about that and tell me stories of what happened there. Well, basically, first response became a uh, uh, an initiative of FEBC where we put a suitcase radio. Uh, there are two suitcases. One would be the studio and one would be the transmitter. Literally a suitcase. That's, really? that's all the gear you need. Exactly. And then uh, you have an antenna that, that can fit in a, uh, a keyboard case. <laughs> And uh, that's what you bring on the ground. And the idea for that uh, suitcase radio or rapid radio response is to be able to provide critical information during the time of a disaster where no AM, FM, or television is available. And that was exactly what happened in the central Visayas area when Haiyan hit. Now, you happen to be the country where the typhoon hit. Oh, yes. But first response is FEBC worldwide, right? That's right. It is. Um, It is an initiative of all the FEBC units, but right now the ones that have been quite responsive because of the number of disasters would be Indonesia, the Philippines, and uh, India. Yeah. So these would be the ones that have very active first response units. This typhoon hit in what month of what year? Remind me. November. November mm-hmm. of last year. La- November of uh, 2013. And it was devastating. Uh, well, as far as the uh, meteorologists said, this is the worst typhoon that ever hit, ever. Uh, around the world. Oh. And um, it flattened uh, not only just one city, but actually the uh, entire belly of the Philippines mm-hmm. uh, from the east all the way to the west. And yeah, we really don't know the death toll yet, do we? Uh, right now, uh, what has been registered is around 6,000 plus people have perished in this disaster, not to mention those that have been missing mm-hmm. up to this time. And you told me there were areas of that uh, of that particular location where people had moved in as squatters, really. Ex- and exactly. And so there's no records of them being there, So and many of them are missing. That's right. Um, a whole 10-kilometer uh, beachfront was actually opened for a lot of the informal settlers, and uh, they're all gone. Okay, so the typhoon blows in and mm-hmm. just destroys that area. What is first response in FEBC able to do? Okay, um, during the first week of uh, right after the typhoon, one of the major issues was that of confusion, because there was uh, there was no perceived leadership. Because at one point there were rumors that the mayor had died, mm. because he too was caught in the storm. And uh, given that, so there was chaos on the ground up to a certain point. The first information that First Response provided for the people is that, number one, the mayor was alive. And we were able to get the mayor 
in front of a microphone to give a state of the city address. How soon after the typhoon did you set up the radio transmitter? Uh, we were five days in. Okay. So, uh, which is a very rapid response. If uh, not for if not for the difficulty of just trying to get our gear together, we would have been there on the third day. Mm-hmm. Uh, given the situation, five days. We thank God that we were there on and the third day. And you had to get there. I mean, this is no small short trip from Manila or any other place. That's in the world. right. We had to fly into Cebu which is about an hour's flying, and then eventually wait for another flight because at that time they were still clearing the airport in yeah. Tacloban so that we could eventually fly in. You saw God's hand throughout the whole time, though. You were telling me about, uh, I believe his name is Mike Adams. That's right. Who, tell me that story. Well, uh, Mike Adams is our one of our engineers. He's in charge of first response, and he also helps our other units. Now, in this particular week, he was actually flying to Myanmar from, uh, from uh, the, the United Kingdom. Where he uh, lives. Okay. Where he lives. And uh, unfortunately, because of a series of events, that trip to Myanmar was not going to push through. Now, we had a project of putting up this community development station in Quezon, Palawan, where the new transmitter just arrived. So uh, our engineer in Manila sent a message to Mike. Hey, Mike, if you're not going to Myanmar, why don't you check up uh, the new toy here in the <laughs> Philippines? So Mike eventually decided to fly into the Philippines just on the week, actually the day before uh, Haiyan hit uh, now, Everyone uh, the knew the storm was coming. Everybody knew the storm was coming, but uh, as far as uh, Mike was concerned, I'm just here to check out the equipment. But then while that was happening, because he's first response, he's monitoring the storm and tells me, you know, Dan, you have a new transmitter here and uh, we have an antenna. Maybe just in case, we can probably use this when the storm hits. Let's plug it in. Let's plug it in. And I said, well, we'll see. We'll, uh, we'll see what happens. And uh, just to fast track Monday morning, we had an emergency meeting and said, you know, the, the equipment is here. Mike is here. One staff from Davao, uh, we called and we said, Maggie, are you willing to go to Tacloban? Sir, I'm already packed and ready to go. And even if you don't tell me, I'm going. <laughs> she was determined. And so, given that, everything just fell together, and hmm. we went. Did you have to have any special permission? And what did you find when you arrived? I mean, where did you stay when there's no no nothing left to stay in well, or at? Well, here's another one. Um, special permission. We For you to put up an FM station, you need to have permission from the National Telecommunications Commission. Mm-hmm. But FEBC, through the years, have had a very good relationship with uh, NTC. So I just picked up the phone on Monday and, and asked uh, Engineer Blanco, engineer, we're going to the disaster zone. We need a frequency. Could you give us permission? Said, Dan, go fly in and we'll give you the permission, uh, in a sense, the piece of paper later on. Just fly in. So when you went in and went on the air, you said you dispelled rumors. You you were able Mm -hmm. to confirm the mayor was alive, which gave people confidence that Maybe there was some leadership in place. What else were you able to do on the on the radio? Um, talk with the different humanitarian organizations. So the UN OCHA, the Red Cross, they were giving us information as to where to get relief, where to get water, um, what other instructions need to be given to these people. The city government was telling us to tell the people where they should not rebuild their uh, houses and where the evacuation centers are. This was a regular thing that we were doing. Yeah. I- you know, I can't imagine. I mean, I've I've been in Tornado Alley, mm-hmm. and I've seen the devastating effects of tornado in the tornadoes in the U.S. But even so, I can't really imagine what it's like to just have everything for miles around just removed it's, and gone. There there had to be mass confusion 
and and fear, and you were able to dispel some and, of that. And uh, when the people have confusion, it seems that one of the first things that they try to do is look for information. Mm-hmm. So that uh, there was this priest, um, apparently he still had his car uh, up and about, and he would sit in the car twiddling with the radio, trying to listen, and finally they heard first response. So the priest eventually went to the city hall where we were uh, camping in. That's another miracle story, isn't it? That's <laughs> another miracle story. And the priest just went there and said, we just needed to find out where you are. And I wanted to say that the parish here, the church is open for anybody who needs shelter. Hmm. And as you were saying regarding this place that we have at the top of the city hall, when we arrived, we arrived uh, uh, late at night, and so we just kind of parked first and camped at the door of the city hall. And then well, you in can't the morning, check into a hotel. There aren't any hotels. <laughs> there was nothing. So we found out that there was this deck. It looked like a roof deck on the uh, city city hall. Apparently, that roof deck, that open deck, used to be the executive lounge for the officers of the city hall. And uh, it was raining, and so every time that they would broadcast, our staff would have uh, their tent. They'll be broadcasting under the tent. Until finally, the following day, there was this uh, unassuming man who was kind of doing a survey, and uh, so he he saw what we were doing, and uh, eventually he uh, asked, uh, "What are you guys doing here?" He says, "We're we're doing radio, sir, providing information." He says, "You see, I'm the city administrator. This is Attorney Texan Lim," and he <laughs> says. You're exactly what we've been talking about with the mayor. So come over here and we'll give you a room. So he had all the authority. <laughs> and to put you in that high spot where the antenna need to be up high. Exactly. Again, God's hand was in all of this. Not only it? that, we said, um, sir, we're running out of oil for our generator. He says, you'll never run out of oil again. Oh. <laughs> Boy, that's almost biblical. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Bring all your jars. <laughs> that's right. And uh, it's just really amazing how the hand of God was working in all of this work as yeah. well. Bottom line for you, I mean, I, again, watched uh, the photos that came through of Maggie and everybody else who was mm-hmm. there. Uh, I was very proud of them as a broadcaster here in the U.S. for stepping oh. up and to follow God's lead yeah. and to get in there and do what they did. But how did how do you feel about it, Dan? You were so much closer to it. First of all, I am also very thankful for these people. I would always say that uh, with uh, devastation like that, the gems of God's people just rise up, and you eventually see how they are. Um, some of the staff that went there had no training for first response. Right now, only Maggie uh, Iraswegi had that training. So people just learned it on the ground. But the point was, they were willing to jump in mm-hmm. and at a moment's notice. Uh, the other thing is how you can really see that in situations like this, the thing and the thing that you'd only think of is, God's hand is going to be working through all of this. We can't just do it on our own. Yes, we do have that skill, but the Lord still orchestrates everything, and you can see it vividly. We still pray for uh, Takloban, yes. and I'm, I know it's going to be years before it's back to normal, Quite so, so to speak. Um, things, are, things are moving rather slowly, uh, but they are starting to stand up. That's Dan Cura and he and his staff working with Far East Broadcasting Company in the Philippines. They're doing a fantastic job of proclaiming Christ through radio. If you ever have the chance to be in Manila, be sure to include a visit to the brand new radio studios high atop one of Manila's many skyscrapers. I know they would love to have you see firsthand how this historic ministry is still on track with its original vision dating back to the 1940s. If you'd like to know more about today's guest and topic, please visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. You can listen once again to today's interview or choose from a long list of previous programs. Plus, there's a schedule of what's coming up in the few weeks ahead, conversations you won't want to miss. 
That's firstpersoninterview.com. And we can also be found on iTunes as a podcast. And then we're found on Facebook as well, where you can leave comments and see what other listeners are saying about what you've heard today. That's found at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Again, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. And looking ahead to next week, we'll introduce you to author and speaker Sue Detweiler, who has a heart to encourage moms. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. We'll see you next time for First Person. First Person.